So Jesus is coming towards Jerusalem, and it's been kind of a long journey. And uh, right before he goes to Jerusalem, he uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he raises his friend from the dead, Lazarus. Now this isn't resurrection as we might know it, because resurrection means you were alive, then you were dead, then you were alive, and you will never die again. That's resurrection with a capital R. And as far as I know, Lazarus isn't hanging out somewhere. Uh, so instead, Jesus just raised him from the dead for now. And as you might imagine, that gets some people really excited, both in a positive way, like, who is this guy? This, this must actually be the Messiah. If you're raising people from the dead, I'm pretty sure you're that guy, uh, regardless of whatever else. Uh, but it also gets some people really upset. Uh, because for those in power, if Jesus really is the guy that they think he is, or that he says he is, rather, then they stand to lose a lot. And as you might imagine, people typically do not want to give up power and authority or, or influence or money or anything like that. So, so there's already like a little bit of conflict coming Jesus' way. So as he comes toward Jerusalem, in that excitement, a bunch of people go and cut palm branches down and, that's, uh, and they wave them and they recite part of a psalm, a psalm that the pilgrims heading towards Jerusalem at that point would have been singing anyway, Psalm 118. I think we talked about that last week. And so they would say things like, Hoshiana, uh, which is like, save us now or save us please or something like that. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, now, the palm branch thing is, is kind of an interesting twist. Uh, the, 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 that's not associated with Passover, which people are coming into Jerusalem to celebrate. It's actually associated with a different festival, a festival named Sukkot, or the Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles, or something like that. And you would get your, your uh, they'd call it a lulav, this palm branch, and you would wave it, celebrating... The, a time when the nations will come to Jerusalem to see God. It's like looking ahead to this like glorious victory. So it makes sense that people would grab those thinking, all right, this is happening now. Interestingly enough, um, in a kind of an obscure, sort of complicated, ancient uh, bit of writing. They talk about this lulav and the Feast of Sukkot and, and waving the palm branch that everyone cut down. And, and it says that it became a problem because everyone started beating each other with these sticks. <laughs> I kid you not, it is deadpan right there in an otherwise humorless bit of doc, uh, writing. Uh, and so there had to be some rules <laughs> put in place. So, by the way, if your first inclination when you got that was to start hitting people with it, you are in great company. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the symbolism, however, was not lost. It made some people really excited, and it made other people really nervous. Um, 
John, in his way of writing, says that the Pharisees, he just kind of blanket statement, the Pharisees got really upset about this. And you got to realize, like, when John collectively refers to people like that, he'll also use the phrase, the Jews or the Judeans. He doesn't mean all of them in their entirety. He kind of expects you to know that context. Um, So the Pharisees, however, associated most closely with Jerusalem, um, apparently were not fans of Jesus. And so when they put him on the donkey and they're waving these things like the donkey, that's kingly symbolism. The prophet Zechariah refers to it. They're like, the world is going after him. This is a problem. So then some Greeks are there. We don't know if that means uh, Greek converts to Judaism, or which was actually definitely a thing. Like the broader Greco-Roman world was interested in Judaism. It was very different and offered some answers that, that you know, Zeus or Jupiter uh, didn't really have. In fact, one scholar says that, that, uh, that he honestly thinks that there would have been an explosion of Gentile converts to Judaism in the first century, except there was one requirement that the men were not keen on doing, and so it didn't. If you don't know what that is, Google it or ask a friend. No, don't Google it. Um, Ask a friend. Um, (laughs) So we don't know if these are Greek converts or just Greeks who happen to live there or were touring. Uh, We just don't know, but they want to see Jesus. Apparently, his reputation precedes him, so they go to Philip because he's from there, and Philip goes to Andrew, uh, which we're not really sure why, and then they go to Jesus, and Jesus just doesn't even directly address the situation. We don't know if these Greek people got to see Jesus, but at this point, he finally says, the hour has come. This is it. It's time for me to draw everybody to myself, which is, by the way, the symbolism of the branches. Jesus, up to this point, had been kind of pushing back on that. Um, If you remember, the first miracle he performs is at a wedding when the wine runs out. And his mother, Mary, comes to him and says, hey, they have no more wine. And one professor of mine suggested, I don't know that he's right, but I I love the idea where she is saying, hey, the wine's all out and you brought 12 friends. So (laughs) this is your problem to fix. Um, I don't 100% buy that, but I think it's it's interesting. But he says to her, my hour hasn't come yet. Which leads us to the question of, what does it look like when it does? Now we finally have our answer. And it's weird. It's people co-opting and uh, the, the symbolism from another festival. They're about to celebrate Passover, not Sukkot. Um, but putting Jesus on a donkey, declaring him as king, like, hey, when in Psalm 118, when it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, like, this is happening now, and some Greeks 
are now showing up because they, they want to see Jesus. Like, this is strange. And then it gets weirder. Jesus goes on this, goes on this it's not a tirade, this long explanation that, that a seed of wheat has to fall into the ground and, and there it's going to die. And then it's going to sprout and do something amazing. And if you caught it, and it's kind of subtle, John is, is he, he's a great writer, but he's tricky. Um, in response to some of that, as Jesus is saying, I'm going to be lifted up, which is his way of talking about crucifixion, you're lifted up off the ground, people say, but the Christ, the Messiah, he's supposed to be forever. Why are you saying he's going to be lifted up? Think about what they're really asking. They're saying, we, we firmly believe that you are Messiah. You, we've been waiting for you for countless generations. You just raised somebody from the dead. You are not playing around. We are celebrating this victorious moment. We are bringing symbols from other festivals to say, like, the nations are going to be coming here. And you say, by the way, I'm going to be brutally murdered. Just a heads up. This is, this is weird. There's an uneasiness about this whole, like, series of events. And, and it's written in a different way. John, John it's more like uh, staccato, like this and then this and then this, instead of John's more natural, like flowing way of writing. I think he's using style to tell us something. Because then uh, he goes on and says, like, the stuff about Isaiah, like, yeah, the people aren't going to get it. It's It's awkward. It's like going to a really big party, a birthday party or something like that, and then announcing, hey, yeah, but you guys know that you're all going to die someday, right? Like, nobody likes that guy. <laughs> and, and there isn't really a, a, a clear explanation for it either. And... and as, as I've been kind of meditating and, and thinking through the, this passage, like this uneasiness or this weirdness, I think is where we tend to spend a fair amount of our own lives. Uh, we tend to be in transition. Like the, the people in this moment, in this Palm Sunday, which we often think about as like, as, as being victorious, and it is eventually, but we tend to live in that space of, when is this going to be? That awkward space between. I don't know about you, but I fall into the temptation constantly of saying, if only this, or when, when this thing finally happens, if only this were to happen, then I will be okay. Then it's going to be great. Kind of like a, a sleazy salesman. See, you just need to get this, and then you'll be fine. I don't know, I don't remember who knows or who I've told what to whom, but uh, 
I, I was unemployed from June 1st to February 27th. And uh, that, that's brutal. And in rounds of interviews and calls and, and stuff like that, I kept saying to myself, like, well, f- once I finally get that new call, then I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay, which is not true. <laughs> that's, that's not a statement or an indictment against Christ Luther. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be a temporary call. Um, What I mean by that is we accepted the call, and it's, that's great. Okay, now we're in transition. Now we've got to find housing. That's punishment. <laughs> and now we're under contract on a house. That's really hard. And so I keep saying, like, I, I said before that, well, once we can get a, a, an offer accepted, then things will be a whole lot smoother. <laughs> um, and now, you know, we're thinking, okay, once the contract is up and we can close, everything's going to be fine, which, you know, as we're kind of looking at things, the house needs work. That's not going to be the case either. Like, how often do I spend my time in that uneasiness, waiting for that next thing to come and kind of fix things? But instead, I just find myself more in that space between, I'm willing to bet you guys, excuse me, you guys know what that feels like too. Where you're, you know, you, you've got kids in high school, well, all right, we just need to get them off to college, and then that it just brings a whole other set of issues. I think, well, if I can just retire, if I can just kind of get that next job... If I can just find somebody and settle down. Like that uneasiness, that space between wanting to get to that next thing is seductive. And it will kill you. What, what's remarkable to me about the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem and all of that weird, uneasy, now, not yet, like when are things going to really go off, is that Jesus at no point seeks to save or rescue people from that uneasiness. It's just a part of life. And in fact, if you know how the rest of the story goes, is Jesus will eventually be betrayed and he will be killed, like his followers are going to be in that space between for a while. And then after he is raised from the dead and their entire world is blown apart, Jesus still has them wait. Wait until the Spirit comes in Jerusalem. And then once the Spirit comes, now wait for me to return. Jesus has no interest in saving us from that journey or that space between, that uneasiness or that awkwardness or the parts about life that if we fall into the pattern or the seduction of just waiting until that moment and then I'll be okay will eventually choke us out. Jesus is not saving us from that. Instead, he's telling us how the story ends. 
He's telling us that stories of death and uneasiness and struggle and pain and spaces between will actually find the resolution someday in resurrection, redemption, and hope. Which, given just the reality of uneasiness and transition that is human life, I feel like is way better. A hard story is much easier to read or watch when you know how it ends. And so as Jesus is saying, yes, the Son of Man will be lifted up, he's also hinting, suggesting, sometimes he just flat out says, this story ends in resurrection, which means your story does too. That when all is said and done after the easy, uneasiness and the awkwardness and the seduction of just looking for that next big thing is over, in resurrection, all of those stories and moments and frustrations will find their conclusion. And it looks like death coming back to life. That maybe things need to die. But as we saw in the, our Old Testament reading, where God brings death, He also raises from the dead. So may we, on this Palm Sunday entering into Holy Week, Find ourselves in that uneasiness and that awkwardness and that space between the, the, the moments in life that can really choke us out because we have no idea and we have no control and it just is. May we find those moments as reminders that our story in Jesus ends in resurrection and redemption and hope. Amen.